Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on wedding guest woes, atheist etiquette at church, whether or not to reach out to your brother's now ex-girlfriend, Thank you notes revisited. How to correct name mistakes in business. All that plus a postscript segment on murder at the dinner table. No? No. From our favorite, <laughs> Margaret Visser's The Rituals of Dinner. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post Senning from the Emily Post Institute. So you're about to leave tomorrow, but technically when this airs, you're like coming up on the end of your trip. You're in like the last week, right? Yes. Scary. Scary and awesome. (laughs) Um, Getting so excited. In some ways, it's hard to even imagine what the last week is going to be like because we leave tomorrow and I'm just so focused on getting out the door and, and making that departure. But to keep everyone updated, Pooja and I will be on the final leg of our trip. We'll be... uh, You're in Bali at this point. We'll have landed in Bali, but we're actually... At this point, on a small island off Lombok, which is a neighboring state in Indonesia. It's oh, the, wow. the island just east of Bali. And we take a boat out to actually a, a very small little island called Gili Tarawana or Tarangwan. And I don't know how to say it yet. I will say it correctly when I get back. I haven't learned yet. <laughs> and at this point, you have probably definitely utilized what I saw you printing out at the copy machine yesterday, which was one of our dear listeners sent in oh my a... Goodness. She wrote this page of all the things they sh- that Pooja and Dan should do and eat while in Bali. It was amazing. It was almost like it was handwritten, torn out of a notebook, yep. completely covered. All the margins, yeah. all the lines on the page, and a- almost a piece of artwork, the notes themselves. It was very artistic. And it was all tips from someone who has lived in Bali, I think might even be living there She's right now. She's living there now, yeah. Um, with, with little tips and advice and things to do and restaurants not to miss. It was one of the sweetest things and it's absolutely printed out and part of our itinerary. And So cool. So very, So thank you so cool. much to, to all of our listeners for all of the support that um, that you've offered me and, and for sharing in the enthusiasm about this trip. I, I really can't wait. That just to me was one of the coolest and sweetest things. I love our listeners. So nice. Do you think that we should get to our listeners and answer some of their questions? Let's do our part. Perhaps you can help me with a problem. I'd like your advice, Jim. My advice? Yes, I've got quite a serious problem. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. And our first question begins with woes of a wedding guest. Dear Lizzie and Dan, a co-worker of mine is getting married this year, and she was kind enough to invite me to the wedding. 
I do not consider her a close friend by any means, but we do see each other socially once or twice a month in a group that meets outside of work. Her wedding is going to be in a city a few hours away by car. She chose this location not because she or the groom has family there, but just because she liked the venue. On one hand, I would like to wish the couple well on their big day. On the other hand, I'm a little put off that I'm being asked, along with everyone else they know, to spend so much to attend a faraway wedding just because the venue was nice. To be brutally honest, she's not my favorite person, and I worry that this is affecting my intuitions about etiquette on both sides of the issue. So, as impartial experts, I'd like to ask your advice. Given that I can afford it and don't have other plans that weekend, should I just go and make the best of it for the sake of a happy work relationship? Or does the fact that it's a distance wedding involving considerable expense mitigate my obligation? Anonymous. Well, thank you anonymous and I'm going to answer a wedding question this time. And I'm so proud of you. Lizzie's over there smiling at me because she answers a lot of wedding questions and does it so well that I tend to just kick them to her. But your question um, hinges on two pretty pretty clear points of etiquette. And the first point of etiquette is it's really up to you to decide whether or not you go to this wedding or not. You're, you're wise and smart and considerate to be thinking about how it might impact a work relationship. But um, – Given all the factors that you've mentioned, I think it's perfectly reasonable for you not to attend this wedding. The important thing is that you fulfill your obligation and that you reply, that you let the people who invited you know that and you let them know that as soon as you've made that decision yourself. Because you did receive an invitation to a wedding, you should also probably be thinking about what kind of gift you're going to send to thank them for inviting you and thinking of you as, as part of this special day. And because that's technically the obligation when it comes to weddings, just because it's such a big deal, like Dan just said. If for no other reason than that. And that's really going to fulfill your social Sorry. obligation. No, and, and as Lizzie says, it, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. And that's going to go a long way towards maintaining and protecting that work relationship that you care so much about. And that's that's maybe part of the reason that obligation is felt so strongly, because it is an honor to be invited. As far as uh, whether or not it's rude of the, the bride and groom to have their wedding as a destination wedding, that's really a, a personal decision for them to make. And it's going to have different results based on different decisions that they make or right. they're going to get different results based on different decisions they make. And one of those results might be that some people can't afford to make it. But that's their choice. They also might really care about this particular venue and the particular style and type of, of day that they're creating for themselves. It's hard to get inside their head. I don't necessarily think it's rude, but I also don't think it's at all rude for you to make a choice that makes sense for you. And I don't think you need to explain yourself to them, but you do need to let them know as soon as possible that you won't be attending so they can make their plans. Take heart. Whether you decide to go or not, enjoy your weekend. Our next question is about atheist etiquette at church. Hi, Daniel and Lizzie. My family is devoutly Catholic, and it means a lot to my mother that I join her for the Thanksgiving and Christmas morning masses. I'm always happy to make my mother happy, so I naturally oblige, but as a firm non-believer, I don't feel comfortable participating in the various rites, such as genuflection, communion, and kneeling for periods of time. I try to respectfully observe the ceremony, but I feel that my lack of participation is quite obvious to those around me. For instance, when I'm sitting and others are kneeling, I am the only person out of sync. I don't want to be rude or draw attention to my mother's atheist son, but I don't feel that it's appropriate to participate in something I disavow. I feel the same way a few hours later at the holiday luncheon, where the rest of my family prays together out loud with heads down and hands folded, while I quietly abstain and attempt to go unnoticed. 
Oftentimes, family members still notice out of the corners of their eyes that I'm not praying, and I can sense that my mother is quite embarrassed by this, as she feels it is her biggest failure. I'm at a loss for what to do. I just want to have a happy holiday and spend some quality time with my family without causing them disappointment or embarrassment. Is there a polite way to abstain from religious customs when it is so deeply embedded in a group? Love the podcast. Thanks. Colin. Colin, I think that a lot of people probably feel the same way that you do when they've decided to change religion, become atheist, or somehow diverge from what they grew up with. I want to first address the first part of your question and say that I think what you're doing is perfectly fine. You're right. You should not genuflect. You should not take communion. I do think offering a sign of peace is generally a nice part of that ceremony that I think could be non-religiously construed so you could participate in that if you felt comfortable doing it but i think that that sitting while others kneel is perfectly acceptable i think that um staying seated while everyone else goes through the line for communion is perfectly acceptable you do not have to recite the prayers there are i think lots of people that are in your situation and they want to be supportive of their family i also think that you can always listen to what's being said as an eye opener or a thought provoking sermon homily whatever part of it is that that you could listen to and respect to possibly take something away from or to consider and further your own thought. And that is a very respectful way to walk into any type of religious service, just being open-minded and understanding. And I think that you it sounds to me like he actually does this. The part that I think is harder is the part where you're feeling guilty. You, as you've identified yourself as an atheist, have already deviated from your family's tradition, and that's completely okay. But I think Putting the idea out there that that your mom feels like that's her biggest failure, these are things that are, are much harder to reconcile with etiquette. These are things that you need to figure out how you're going to... Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. 
Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Manage them in your own heart and your own head. And maybe it's through conversation with your mom to say, I will always be respectful and appreciative of what you raised me with. Right now is not a time in my life where I'm believing, but please, you know, have faith that you did everything that you could and that you've always been so encouraging. It's one of those really difficult situations where I don't know what your faith is going to be your entire life or or whether you'll stick to being an atheist. And your mom doesn't know. But again, these things have to be less etiquette issues and much more of your own ability to accept what's going on, to know that you've done your best to be respectful. That is the etiquette part coming in and and trust that that's okay. And I, I, I hope that you can come to a place where you don't feel as judged by the people around you because what you are doing is continuing to participate in your family. And I think that's really important. So I hope that you can let go of the looks through the corners of the eyes and, and let go of worrying about your mother and instead put all of your energy into focusing on having a wonderful, supportive relationship with those people, even if uh, religion and faith aren't a part of it. My heart is warm <laughs> listening to your answer. I hope so, because that was like, that's a tough one. He's a, in a really tough spot. This is a challenging, challenging question. Yeah. And um, great advice, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> well, Colin, I truly hope that that helps. I hope you feel more comfortable, and I hope that you and your family can gather with ease and enjoyment. Our next question is about befriending your brother's breakup or befriending your brother's ex-girlfriend. Hi, Lizzie and Daniel. Thank you for your lovely podcast. I have a question about breakups. Not mine. My brother and his girlfriend have just split up. They'd been together for a long time. I was never particularly close to her, but she's been a part of our family for all that time, and I know she's very upset about the breakup. My brother and I are also not very close. Well, we are, but not in a very chatty family way, so we don't communicate that often. My question is, how should I deal with this situation? I want to contact them both to express how sorry I am about it, but I don't know what to say. It would be totally out of character for me to phone either of them to chat about it and awkward for both of us. How should I go about it? Is it okay for me to just send a text or a private message on Facebook? I thought about sending a note with some chocolates or something to her, but it feels strange as I never made much of an effort to contact her while they were together. Would it be better for me to just stay out of it? Hope you can help. I'm British and very shy, so I find this situation impossible to navigate. Anonymous. I've totally been there. Yeah. Just about everybody has. Yeah. We're editing the 19th edition. We just did the chapter on divorce. Right. And there is etiquette around it. There is etiquette around how you um, bring relationships to an end with some care and how you take care with the people around you at that time. Well, and like she's talking about when you've been together for years, even if you don't call or contact those family members Mm -hmm. regularly during the relationship when they're part of your family— 
it is very different. All of a sudden, this person's not going to be at mom's birthday, and this person's not going to maybe be at Christmas or Thanksgiving or on the the family vacation with you. It's different. Family, mom, holiday. These are intimate spaces, Mm -hmm. and we invite these people into some really close relationships in our lives, our significant others, our partners. I Um, vote reach out. Absolutely. Okay. And, And I vote stay out of the breakup. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> reach, Whoa, good thought. Reach out to them as individuals and don't make it about the breakup. Totally. Um, you could acknowledge difficult time, just wanted to touch base, just wanted to connect, wanted to let them know you're there. Cool. W- whatever would be a natural, normal way for you to communicate them when you're asking about the medium. Um, I definitely think private is good. I know you said private Facebook message. Phone Whenever call. I see Facebook, little flags go up in my head that you probably want to keep these communications private. But a phone call is going to be the most personal if they're yeah. a distance. A text message. They're not someone you see regularly. But how, a text message also. Yeah. However you usually communicate, I would make that choice. Can I just tell a personal story here? So I was with a gentleman for five years, and we split up. And, and his family was really involved in my life. And mm-hmm. one of the things I have truly valued is that throughout us not being together now for about the five years that we've since our breakup – I still connect with them every now and again. And it's incredibly heartwarming to me when his sister sends me a Snapchat, Mm -hmm. you know, or I just reach out and say she just had a baby. You know, you say congratulations or you talk to his, you know, you just you remembered it was his mother's birthday. So you send a, a, a quick text message wishing her a happy birthday. And. It has been really nice. They've never been about the breakup. They've never been, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, maybe the first one is, I'm, I'm sorry it didn't work out for you guys, but I just want you to know, like, you were a part of our family for a long time, and I'm always going to think of you that way, or I'm, you know, I'm going to miss seeing you at family events. And that might be a really easy way to just identify it. And then over the years, you might send a random text that's like, a, hey, because y'all were involved for a long time. And I think that, that that's a reality. You know, we don't always have to be so afraid of the reality. And, and it's good to honor all those relationships. Yeah. When, when we're involved with somebody who's very special to us, that's not the only person we're involved with. Totally. <laughs> and it doesn't um, mean that those other relationships don't count or don't matter. Right. Sometimes breakups can be difficult. Yes. And you don't want to get um, drawn into taking sides. Never or talk about that stuff. Th- yeah. The other one that, that um, comes up is uh, sometimes someone will be very hurt and they'll want you to agree with them or sympathize with them about how wrong or bad the other person is. And that's a, yeah. another etiquette trap to be careful of talking bad about someone because right. it's easier. Ways to get out of that. For instance, if our listener, if you called her or if you texted her and she said, I just don't understand why the breakup happened, you can say, I don't know anything about it because, as you know, my brother and I don't really talk that much, but I did just want to let you know that I'm feeling for you and I'm going to miss having you at family stuff and I'm thinking of you and that sort of thing. But, yeah, it's been nice that they were people who were heavily involved in my life and we've kept in touch. And I I was going to say, you hear that, Anonymous? Take heart. Don't be shy. Reach out. Don't be shy. Reach out. It's okay. And you'll also be able to take your cues from her. If she doesn't respond very much, then you'll kind of know you did what you could and you leave it at that. And and that's it. I like it. <laughs> Good luck. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. 
all the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Our next question's about birthday party thank you notes. My daughter recently had a sleepover, 13th birthday party, and we forgot to open the gifts from her friends during the party. Whoops. So we took a picture of her opening each gift, and then she sent the picture with a thank you to each girl about a half hour after they left, and all the girls responded with happy comments. She did do a handwritten thank you note and put it in each goodie bag she gave the girls, something she wrote before the party. But should she still do another handwritten note for the gifts? Thank you. Trying to raise a teenager with manners. Totally. I think it's really sweet that right after the party, they remembered, oh, we forgot to do this. And then they took the pictures. And I love that the girls responded with happy comments. In the world of teenage girls, you're probably fine. In the world of trying to raise a teenager with manners, which is how you've signed this, I would say push for the handwritten thank you note. It just instills that good habit, good practice. It gives her the experience of having done it. I'm not as big a fan of writing the thank you note before the party and putting it in the goodie bag, but I actually also think it's kind of a good idea because at least you can thank them for coming to the party. It does not take the place of a thank you note for the gift, though. So if you are really trying to push formal manners and trying to make those instilled habits and things that your kids are really familiar with— I would say go for the quick, short, thank you so much for the gift. It was so fun to, to see how much you enjoyed it when we sent the text messages. But I really wanted to make sure that I wrote a note, something like that. I don't know. That was kind of one of my worst example thank you notes. No, but... I think it's not bad. And I just want to chime in and say congratulations for having a party where people were so focused on each other they forgot about the gifts. Heck yeah. We like that. So yeah, go for the note. And we think it sounds like you're doing a great job raising a teenager with manners. There's more. What's that? More questions coming up, but first, a word from our sponsor. Here, let's try another trick. I love this next one because our listener titled it, I Dream of Jenny, Not Genie," And so I titled it, I Nightmare of Genie." All right. Sorry. I'm going to laugh at my own joke. Dear Awesome Etiquette, what's the best way to correct a person when they get my name wrong in front of a group of people? My work requires me to frequently engage in email conversations with multiple people included in the email. My first name is a common one, but the spelling is also closer to another common name. I am often, therefore, addressed with the wrong name in email replies. I don't like to call out the responder's mistake to everyone on the email list, but when the communication includes multiple recipients, the mistake is perpetuated by others throughout the entire email thread, regardless of how many times I correctly sign my name to my responses. I've also had two bosses in two different workplaces who frequently misspelled or misstated my name to others, even after I'd worked closely with each of them for several years. Correcting anyone in front of others is awkward, but when it's your boss, it's particularly tricky to manage. How can I politely correct the mistakes so that everyone in the conversation has my correct name without appearing to publicly scold or call out the person who originally made the error? Eager to be addressed by my own name, Jenny, not Jeannie. Jenny. <laughs> 
This question to me has a couple of different issues that I want to address. I'm going to start with the one that's the most immediate in my mind. It comes at the end of your question, and you're talking about the bosses that you've had that you've worked with for sometimes as much as several years who continue to make a mistake with your name. You're really wise to be careful about pointing out their mistake in public. This is one of those cases where I think that um, you are well within all the tenets of good etiquette to ask to talk to someone who you've worked with closely for a couple years who's misstating your name or who's giving your name incorrectly to other people. And I think you ask to do it in private. So you give it the seriousness that it deserves and you treat it like one of those difficult conversations that we often talk about on this podcast where you are going to be correcting someone else and correcting them about something that is is basic enough. It's actually a, a fundamentally important enough etiquette that you're correcting them both on something that should be relatively simple and also comments on their sort of basic social skills. And there is the potential to, to offer some offense or for them not to take this well, and it's not your fault. Or to be embarrassed, yeah. <laughs> but exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, I can feel the embarrassment of one of your bosses if you asked to talk to me privately about this and then brought up the fact that I was continuing to get your name wrong. And it's the boss-employee relationship. That's so hard to correct someone yep. of such superior standing in your life. But you just got to do it. I because agree. this is important, and it's important for their appearance, their reputation, that they don't continue to get this wrong. It doesn't do any good if they introduce you as one thing and then you are circulating around saying, well, actually, I'm something else. That's not my name. It's almost and, more embarrassing because it's it's like the emperor's clothes. You don't want to <laughs> correct the guy at the top, you mm-hmm. know? Exactly. So it is important. It's important that you get ahead of this one and that you address it. And you acknowledge that it's something that lots of people have difficulty with, that you're sympathetic, that you understand while you're asking them to correct it, essentially. So I'm thinking that you might say something along the lines of, Jim, I'd I'd really like to talk to you about something. Is now a good time? Now you've primed them. They've agreed to you. Oh, yeah, now's a good time. Come on in. What's going on? It's something that might be a little difficult. Could I close the door? Oh, yeah, sure. No that problem. Super serious. Close the door. <laughs> um, but you're, you're creating that private space, whatever okay, it is. Yeah. You know, Jim, I'm, I'm anticipating our meeting coming up next week. I'm thinking about it. I want it to go really well. And there's something I want to talk to you about. When I get introduced, I often get introduced incorrectly. And I want to be sure I check in with you so that I know you're going to be making introductions. And I want to be sure everyone gets my name right, right from the start at this meeting. Because last time it was a little difficult. I had to go around and correct or w- whatever it is, the longer explanation. But talk to him about the solution as well as the problem that you're bringing, which is always one of our tips about having difficult conversations. I say add a layer to that that's sympathize. Mm-hmm. My name sounds so much like Jeannie because of how it's spelled, and I get this all the time, but I figured in business, because there's so much communication that happens after these meetings, I just wanted to remind you to tell everyone that it's Jenny because it'll help me reinforce it with them. I like that. Um, enlist his or her aid. Yes. <laughs> uh, try to draw them in as an ally to address this this legitimately difficult problem for you. Um, my frame of reference is shifting a little bit. I'm also starting to see this as one of those opportunities, perhaps, okay. where you could ask someone for help with something, something great, that's really difficult. Idea. And oftentimes bosses love to help, particularly when there's a not difficult solution that they can help you get to. And this might be one of those cases where you get to set your boss up for for a real success for making your life easier without it being terribly difficult for them. There's a second part of your question that I'm kind of curious about. And and I'd I'd be curious to hear some thoughts from from our listeners as well, because we often talk about not overusing reply all in emails. And we also often talk about not correcting people publicly. So if someone in a group email spells your name incorrectly, I have one sort of etiquette tenet that says contact them 
privately. privately to let them know the mistake. Don't overuse the reply all. At the same time, you go on to talk about how that initial error is often perpetuated if it's not addressed or corrected, and it starts to spiral out from that initial mistake if you don't address it to the entire group. My instinct is still to talk to the person privately, and then if I saw the mistake continuing, I would talk to each person who then perpetuated it and I would about st- that instance, and I would do yeah. it as quickly as you can each time it happens with the person that does it. And I would also do it again with that air of sympathy of, you know, in when you type that email to them just to correct it off of the group thread, I would say, I know this is probably just a slip on the keyboard, but just so you know, my name is Jenny and it is different from Jeannie and I'd hate for someone to call or try to seek out or get the email name wrong or something like that and have communication go awry. I know in an earlier email I was addressed as Jeannie, Jeannie yeah. wanted to give you a heads up, whatever, yeah. whatever it is. But making the issue to seek out, making sure there aren't mistakes with it in the future, not like you've made this mistake and it's it's your fault, I think is going to help massage that a little bit. It takes the pressure off the person having made the mistake, which is so nice. It's exactly what what Dan's been saying. Jenny, thank you for the good question. And we really hope that answer helps. And both of those sort of different different situations that you describe where, where this problem's cropping up. Best of luck, Jenny. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want it on the show. We're so pleased with the response we got for our very first etiquette quiz. Thank you so much for participating. We have decided to eliminate two of our questions as either the way they were asked or misleading information, if you happen to search for the answer online, created confusion and a bit of debate in the answers. Legitimate so, debate. Yeah, it was legitimate. So when we started looking at things, we were like, oh, wait, this is why so many people are writing in with that answer. Okay. Um, so we've eliminated those two. But... In the future, we promise that we will be tighter and even more specific with our questions to make sure that the answers have only one right or correct option. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. The winners, drum roll please, are as follows: Simkagrala, Amanda Henriksen, who listens in from New Zealand, and Christine Schluter. You are our winners. You will be receiving signed copies of the book of your choice, and they will be arriving shortly. Congratulations to all of our winners, and thank you to everyone who participated. We can't wait for our next quiz. I'm so excited. 
excited to read this postscript this week. Those who who actually have the rituals of dinner after hearing so much of it uh, can read along. It is uh, page 92 and 93. Yes, And I will chime in here and just say that Lizzie Post has read this out loud to me so many times. I was pretty convinced we'd already done this on the show. (laughs) This is definitely one of her favorites. I get really excited when I'm writing the scripts and I I find something I like that's like, oh, this is so awesome. We have to read it. We got to get it to the audience. So I'm going to geek out on this a little bit. And please bear with me. It's actually longer than our normal kind of paragraph for two. One way of understanding table manners is to recognize that they are a system of civilized taboos which come into operation in a situation fraught with potential danger. They are designed to reduce tension and protect people from one another. Listen in Homer's Odyssey to Agamemnon, a resentful ghost in the underworld, describing how his life ended. It was Aegisthus who designed my death, he and my heartless wife, and killed me after feeding me like an ox felled at the trough. That was my miserable end. And with me, my friends butchered like so many swine killed for some troop or feast or wedding banquet. But these were murders you would catch your breath at. Think of us fallen, all our throats cut, wine bowl brimming, tables laden on every side, while blood ran smoking over the whole floor dark, right? Okay. Game of Thrones. <laughs> right? Totally. Red Wedding. Murder at dinner is especially horrendous, worse than death in war, just because it's so easy to achieve and therefore so unexpected. It is not done. Everybody present is armed with knives. Their teeth, formidable human weapons, can scarcely remain invisible in spite of every effort as they chew. Table manners commonly forbid what we call belly laughs, partly because uproarious mirth is expressed by the baring of teeth. Erasmus advises that if something so funny should occur that it produces uncontrolled laughter, the face should be covered with a napkin or with the hand. Agamemnon and his men were invited guests. He trusted his hosts, who included, another horror, his own wife. She had taken Aegisthus for her lover while Agamemnon was away at war, so betrayal is heaped upon betrayal. The ancient Greek myth of Agamemnon's death is told in two distinct versions. In one, he is butchered at the table. In the other, his wife offers him a bath, as wives were expected to do for homecoming warriors. Having reduced her man to nakedness in his tub, she flings a net over him, rendering him utterly defenseless. She then hacks him to death with an axe. The story of Agamemnon's death in his bath does not contradict the version in which he died at dinner. The two stories are mythic equivalents, and in that sense, the same thing. The essential points are the betrayal of trust and the horrific pollution. In the story of the bath, water, the symbol of purity, is stained with the blood of the helpless victim, as in the appalling murder scene in the shower in Hitchcock's movie Psycho. I love this. All right. 
The dinner table is too polluted, the blood flowing, the table which has been laid in orderly and civilized fashion for the fellowship expressed in the dinner, desecrated by the blood of the guests, including the guest of honor, the king himself. For this is the theme that underlies all table manners. We may be slicing and chewing. We may have killed or sacrificed to supply our feast. We may be attending to the most animal of our needs, but we do so with control, order, and regularity, and with a clear understanding of who is and what is. We are neither beasts nor monsters with no manners, but men and women of culture. We do not treat people as though they were swine or oxen slaughtered for the feast. We do not get the guests mixed up with the dishes. For the point is that we so easily could. At table, we are both armed and vulnerable. We are at such very close quarters. I love it. I can tell. I just, I love when I stumbled upon that section. I was just like uh, one of the things that we tell kids when we do children's table manners is we talk to them about how one, your knife blade faces in because back in the days when dinner was something where you were armed and maybe something would break out. I mean, this is exactly what we're talking about. It just so supports the examples that we give to kids about why there's this funny mix of you need control over your implements and you don't point at someone when you're gesturing with a knife because it's aggressive behavior. And and she does it with her tongue firmly in cheek. And at the same time, she takes table manners out of that that territory, that realm of the mundane. Yeah. And puts it back at that level where it matters, where it's of critical importance, where you're looking at the the fundamentals of how do we share food and be with each other and... And laugh without looking aggressive. I mean, that was a part of it I had never made the connection of. Yeah. So cool. I love her. She's epic. She's mythic. The reconciling of the sacred and the profane. I, I... can't recommend highly enough the rituals of dinner. We hope your next dinner party does not involve murder, just as a side note. How long now before you'll be going out to make your own way in the world? Not very long, I guess. And whatever you do, wherever you go, you want to put your best foot forward. Today's etiquette salute begins. Dear Lizzie and Dan, the salute goes out to the entire staff and medical team at the Winter Park Memorial Hospital in Winter Park, Florida. Recently, I had to take a trip to the ER. Most people would not associate going to the hospital with a positive memory, but after this trip, I certainly do. The receptionist was kind and efficient. The triage nurses complimented my hair and made me laugh so that I barely even noticed the tests they were running on me, and I waited only a few minutes to be admitted into a room. Once I was in a room, the doctor promptly explained the x-rays I would need. She answered all of my questions with a smile and made sure I understood the next steps before she left. A staff member came to get me for my x-rays with a wheelchair. I was a bit confused because I could walk perfectly fine. He kindly explained, You are now our patient, and we are here to take care of you. Please take a seat. Along the way, a nurse noticed the back of my hospital gown wasn't tied up. I was alone and couldn't reach around to do it myself. So she stopped us and did it up for me so I would be more comfortable. While waiting for my x-rays, they made sure I had everything I needed, offering me blankets, setting me up with my own TV to watch, and giving me a help button in case I thought of anything else. They were very efficient in getting my results and explaining my diagnosis, all with a smile and a kind, caring tone. 
Thankfully, it turned out to be something very minor, and I am now 100% well, but I will never forget how everyone was so kind and made sure I felt comfortable and cared for. What an amazing feeling to be so well taken care of. Thank you, Lizzie and Dan, for taking the time to read this. Keep up the great work. Sarah Ewing. Sarah, thank you for that etiquette salute. I so appreciate it, and I definitely sympathize whenever we're in need. It's so remarkable when people make that extra effort to take care of us. Thank you for sharing. You see what I mean about putting your best foot forward? That's our show for today. Thank you for spending some of your week with us. And remember, there's no show without you. So please send us your etiquette questions, your comments and suggestions, and of course, your etiquette salutes. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it. And of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by the amazing Hans Buto. 